Welcome to another episode of The Shredder Show. And today I've got the pleasure of having great friend, uh, Frank Rich from the other side of the pond from the US. So Frank is based in Florida, uh, formerly was a very high level competitive bodybuilder and also um, was very successful in business and still is to this day. And today we're gonna go through a slightly different topic and down some different tangents, in particular around um, men's health, um, probably emotional health and probably the way men interact. Frank runs um, a, a business called Rebuilt Recovery, which helps men overcome porn addiction. So there's going to be a lot of interesting topics we're going to go through. So firstly, Frank, thank you for your time. And we'll delve a little bit into who you are, where you are, and, and how we got to here, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, absolutely, brother. Appreciate, uh, appreciate the time uh, here today as well. Appreciate you, you know, opening up your audience and platform for what many look at as, you know, so much of a taboo kind of discussion and, and, and topic. But in my opinion, the fact that a lot of times it gets layered with that means that it's a conversation that we need to have. So hopefully I can, pr you know, provide some background story on, on ultimately what led us here, maybe provide a little bit of the science and research on some of these things that we're going to be talking about. And I definitely want to make it, you know, a point here at the beginning, like, I'm not here to judge anybody. Like if, if, if porn is a part of your life and you're happy with that, all, all, all the, the glory to you, brother, like, you know, great things. But I do know that there's a lot of men in the world that are struggling with this. Many of them that are struggling in science and many of them that are maybe not even aware that the problems that they're going through in their life are directly associated with their use and consumption of pornography. So that's my goal here is to maybe educate, tell a little bit of story, like you said, with what ultimately led us here. Um, but I guess maybe kind of diving a little bit into to my background, Charlie, you know, you, you, you mentioned a couple things there, you know, being successful in business, being a high level, you know, high level bodybuilder and athlete, um, all that stuff started like in, in my youth, right? Like most people, I knew from a very young age that I was a little bit different, uh, that there were parts about me that, uh, didn't fall into like the norms. Uh, you know, what I mean here is like when you're, you know, when you're asked like in school, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Like some kids wanted to be a doctor. Some kids knew from a very young age, like they want to be a veterinarian or an aerospace engineer. I never had any of those dreams. Like I wanted to be a professional baseball player. And then I got to a certain point where I realized like maybe I wasn't gifted the potential or wasn't gifted the athletics to achieve that. I just wanted to be a business owner. So that was it. I didn't know what the business was, was going to be. So growing up in high you know, in, in middle school and high school, like I was a kid that was selling, you know, selling candy and, and baseball cards on the back of the bus. I was a kid that was pushing a lawnmower around the neighborhood and just making, you know, a couple hundred extra bucks on the weekend. So I think I caught the entrepreneurship bug very young, realizing like I had the ability to make money out of kind of nowhere kind of fast forwarding, you know, that leads me to starting my first business, which was when I was 30 years old, it was a, a, a ticket brokerage. So I was kind of a reseller, we would buy a lot of inventory for concerts, sporting events, theater shows here locally in Tampa, but also nationally all around the country. Um, it wasn't a business that relied a lot on marketing, it relied a lot on inventory and kind of pricing structure. So much like the stock market kind of has pricing fluctuations, the ticket industry has the same thing. So I got really good at that. And I was able to within the first 12 months of that business, you know, get it to almost a half a million dollars uh, a year. What I didn't understand at the time is by becoming an, a work from home entrepreneur is I had all this free time like literally hours and hours and hours. And, 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 and you obviously have dealt with this in, in, in building and scaling your company. Like, what do you do with that if you, you know, or just kind of like have, have this freedom? 
So I would say probably my addiction to pornography, which I haven't even talked about, really began escalating at about the ages of 30 to 31, because now it was like I could just use it and consume it whenever I wanted. So midway through the day, if things weren't going well, watch a little bit of porn. If I had a great day, I'd stop work a little bit earlier, watch hours and hours of porn. Um, so that was where I guess maybe the problem really began to get super severe. And obviously this is, you know, kind of dating myself as well. This is 2013. So, you know, eight, nine years ago, the internet wasn't what it was today. I mean, we'd have to really maybe go back five years to understand like how the internet has played a role in this becoming a problem. But let me circle back here if that's okay. And I'm sorry, I'm kind of all over the place here, Charlie. Um, my introduction to pornography was much like a lot of men, right? You know, it's something that, you know, you kind of stumble across at a, at a young age. For me, it was around six, seven years old, uh, kind of finding one of dad's magazines. And if you're not educated and you don't have the right people around you at, at a young age to explain what this is, you just get hit with kind of a, like a, a, a deep sense of curiosity, like as a, as a young boy and as a young man. Um, so that obviously led me to, you know, middle school, sharing it with friends. And I would say it really became a problem with the rise of the internet once, once again. So in my twenties, I was working for a mobile company. We were selling uh, T-Mobile Blackberry devices. So I was one of the first people in the world to have like the, the Blackberry color screen. Um, and within minutes of having that phone, I found the internet and I found pornography. So that obviously created this massive problem, which we know is a major problem to today. Um, but circling back to the entrepreneurship, it really became a problem because I had all this, all this free time. And I think one of the things I said to you at the beginning, Charlie, which maybe will resonate with the audience here today, is I think the success that I had in bodybuilding, the success that I had in business, the success that I had in even creating relationships in my life probably blinded me from the real dangers of what was going on, probably blinded me from actually looking at what I was, what I was doing as a problem. Now, I'll be honest, I did have some social anxiety. I did have some mental health issues. I suffered with depression for a long time through my 20s and 30s, but I never was able to connect it to pornography addiction. I, I looked at my depression, I looked at my mental health as just a part of who I was. Addiction is a part of my family. I've had three generations of men in my family, going back to my uncle, my uncle's father, and then even one generation deeper, men have taken their lives. So mental health was a regular occurrence in our family, mental health issues. So I think I always looked at some of the problems in my life as like, oh, this is just who I am. This is just how I was made. And I had to deal with these things. Porn would actually make me feel better is what I used to tell myself. Now I can understand how that was actually creating those problems today because I've done enough research and I've interviewed enough neuroscientists to understand the link between the two. But I think being blinded by some of my own success really prevented me from looking at the problem. And it really, Charlie, had to get to the point where like I hit a rock bottom moment, man business went completely under got multiple six figures in debt uh relationships that i had invested into intimate relationships and just personal relationships all started to crumble all started to to fall apart um and i will tell you that you know a big part of my story in recovery was my faith and you know finding christ in 2018 and that was late october of 2018 and it kind of began this journey that i've been on for just about four years now so i surrendered my life to christ in 2018 uh the next four months was kind of a whirlwind of, of transformation and change for me really looking at who i was really looking at the things that i was engaged and involved in and just starting to pick them apart one by one by one um i got off alcohol which was something that i struggled with for a long time uh, I recommitted myself to, to fitness because I had kind of lost some uh, some of the zest there. And then in February of 2019, for the first time ever, 
I had really looked at my porn addiction as a problem and I made a commitment to multiple people around me that I was ready to get this out of my life and I was willing to do whatever it, 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 it took. Um, the next three to four months, Charlie, my life changed completely. The world that I began to see completely changed. How I saw myself showing up in the world completely changed. And I understand this now because this is what we describe as like the rebooting, rewiring process. Literally, as your brain begins to get off of pornography and create new neural pathways and new neural connections, I believe if you properly do this, you will begin to see the world completely different. And there's obviously a spiritual component to this, you know, understanding there's a deeper meaning for all of our lives. Um, but I was so in awe by what I was experiencing. I was so just blown away by what I was going through at like a good level that I was like, I need to share this with the world. And this led me to launching my podcast, which we had you on a couple months ago. Um, so at the time, Charlie, I was running Frank Rich Fitness, uh, which was an online uh, fitness company. Ticket builder, the previous business was completely out of the picture at, 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 at this point. So my primary thing was on the Frank Rich Fitness. So I had a little bit of a media platform already established. And because like I said, I began to see the world so different. I began to really understand how porn had impacted me for years. I'm like, people need to understand this. People need to hear this story. So that was really the, the genesis of me starting the podcast, which was in July of 2018. Back then it wasn't about coaching. It wasn't uh, 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 about helping other men. Well, it was about helping men, but not from a monetary standpoint. All it was was a place for me to share stories, to share my journey and bring other people on. But I will tell you, Charlie, the, the most amazing thing happened in the first few months of that podcast. The messages that I began to receive from people and men all around the world stopped going from thank you for your fitness information. Thank you for helping me build bigger biceps. Thank you for getting me in shape, which I think is amazing. Obviously, that's what you built your entire empire off of, the physical transformation. But for me, those messages stopped and it began to be thank you for your conversations. Thank you for your vulnerability. Thank you for your willingness to address the conversation that most people won't have. So that makes me feel really good that like okay people were open and accepting to this and then a few months later the messages start to be can you help me and at the time charlie i didn't i didn't think i could like i knew what i did i knew that i had spent years of self-development work years of building proper disciplines years of growing in my willpower through the bodybuilding through the entrepreneurship that that's what enabled me to get out of it but could i take another guy through it and i wrestled with it for for a couple months and then I had some mentors in my life that were like, Frank, you have something here. Like you really need to help these people. Like this is going to be a massive calling on your life. So it was actually at the, the Clearwater events uh, that you were attending for Vince, yeah. uh, which takes us to j late January of 2020. Um, it was either Frank or Vince in that event taught the SMS post, which obviously your audience is going to understand when I say this. It's a little Twitter post where you specifically say, like, I'm looking for a certain type of these people. I want to help you achieve this and I'll coach you through this process. And the way that they taught it, honestly, made it seem too easy. And at the time, I was like, there's no way that this is going to work for me. So I left that event and I was working for Rudy Maurer, plus running the, uh, the, uh, the fitness company at the time. I said, let me just see. Let me see what kind of you know, uh, feedback this message gets. So the Monday after the event, it was around like 1230 in the afternoon. I remember it almost like it happened yesterday. I literally drafted this post word for word, exactly the way that they taught it in, in the event. And within two hours, I had two sales calls booked. By the end of that day, there were $6,000 in my bank account from new coaching clients. Now I had sold the coaching without actually having the program ready to go. So the next four months was me working one-on-one. -on -one. And these guys knew this. They knew that they were signing up for a case study style of a program. I, was made, I made that very, very clear at the beginning is, hey, 
I know I can help. I'm just going to walk along this process with you. So spent the next four months working hand in hand with these two clients, which has now become, you know, our best selling, you know, coaching program, Reboot Your Life. Um, and that was that was the beginning, man. So here we are, you know, a little over two years later. Uh, we've had about 3000 men go through our various books, coaching courses and programs up to this point. We've had roughly 250 men go specifically through that program, um, and it's changed my life, man. You know, it's, it's, it's changed my life for the good. It's changed, you know, thousands of men's lives for the greater good, which I think is ultimately changing the world. So, yeah, I'll stop there because I know that was like a lot that I kind of thrown at you, and, you know, I'm able to go or willing to go wherever you want to go on the back end of that. I think it just gives a lot of context to the audience, which is important because context the conversation is everything. Um, the first thing I'd say is what do you think – causes addiction like why does someone get pulled into pornography over alcohol over drugs or over even fitness or over money like they're all like everything is a vice to some degree what do you think mm. drives that addiction to maybe that specifically an addiction generally well wow, that's a great question and i've never really specifically thought about like what would what would pull a man into a pornography addiction versus something else i will tell you this is this is my opinion based upon my life's uh journey and the men that i've worked with is that i don't know if you're born an addict but i do believe that certain people certain whether it's brain types or personality types have addictive tendencies so for me in my 20s, Charlie, I'll be honest, I, I, I massively struggled with drugs. Like, I made a lot of money in my early 20s, and with that at a young age comes a lot of parties and a lot of scenes that I just wasn't ready for. So I think for me, I was always chasing something greater. I was always chasing, which I can tie to my faith now. That's what I was running to. I don't know if I have a great answer for this question, Charlie, like, cause I don't know if there's, I don't know if there's any unifying thing. I think for men, the pornography is so dangerous because it tugs on a couple different things, right? It tugs on our heart. Um, you know, and this is where like, you're seeing a lot of men struggling in today's world with something like OnlyFans, cause there's this component to a relationship that you're getting with this, with this woman on the screen. So you're getting this feeling of like, if I send her money, she'll reply back to me, give me a smiley face, or maybe even say something to me. So you're tugging on a relationship there, which is completely different than alcohol. Nobody looks at their addiction with alcohol. It's like, this is replacing a girlfriend, right? They subconsciously they may think that they're replacing something but they're not thinking that they're getting the same thing they would out of an intimate relationship so i think pornography is a whole different animal it also it also is completely anonymous right like you can be addicted to porn for 20 years and not a single person in your life know anything about it if you're struggling with a major drug addiction people are probably going to know you know if you're struggling with an alcohol addiction people are probably going to know they're going to smell it on your breath your words are going to start to get slurry the isolation component so the anonymity factor is a major problem with porn addiction it's also completely free right so it's 100 percent readily available online so there's no cost associated with it which makes it another dangerous destructive animal as well you're not getting free alcohol you're not getting free drugs unless you're doing other things for them with pornography, you can go to any site right now, not any site, but a vast majority of them consume an unlimited amount of pornography for free. So the fact that it's completely anonymous, the fact that it's completely affordable, in my opinion, makes a pornography addiction way more dangerous and destructive than drugs and alcohol. Um, so I know I kind of answered around your question there, Charlie, because I don't think I really have a great answer for what makes people addictive in general, other than maybe certain brain types, certain um, you know, certain personality traits will be more susceptible to, to addictions in, in general. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think um, addiction is a personality trait. And I think 
from my experience, I find it with myself that I'm chasing like dopamine hits constantly, whether it be mm. uh, client results, money, growing businesses, getting a better shape, just like sounds like similar to you, you almost like constantly chasing that progression. And someone asked me down my Instagram questions is like, uh, what makes you happy? And like a lot of the time I'm not happy. And I'm sometimes I'm really unhappy, which I don't talk about a lot, but people look at me like, oh, you've got the world at the feet, you can do whatever you want. But like when you sometimes spend all your time chasing something, you get it and then you're not happy. So then you keep chasing and chasing and chasing. And it's almost like you're trying to fill a void in your life. And mm. I think that's what a life experience is. And sometimes is trying to find what that void is and then trying to fill that, whether it's a person, activity, a place. But I think that's probably the root of it. And I know personally for me, that's why I'm probably so driven is because maybe I'm afraid of sitting confronting whatever my demons are, which is why I want to keep myself super occupied. Like I've done a lot of work with... Um, psychologist on this with myself and I think that was something that very much came up was like I said okay um by the time I'm mid-30s I wanted to have a couple of businesses that pretty much run themselves I don't want to do that much work and then I can do whatever I want and be like well what are you going to do then he's like you're going to start another business aren't you I was like yeah probably because I get bored and I end up doing something else but I think when you suddenly realize that and you start to become self-aware of yourself and whatever your problems are and even if you don't quite understand them yet, you have to realize like your brain and your mind is like an onion. It's like unlayering that all the time. And I think it's being open-minded and like being okay, having frank conversations like this with Frank is uh, is an important thing to do. Yeah, no, that's 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 a great insight. And I, I, I really think it gets into the conversation like how do you actually frame addiction? You know, you, you gave a couple examples of there of maybe addictions that in my opinion, wouldn't wouldn't really be an addiction, you know, the addiction to work, the addiction to success, the addiction to even fitness or improving yourself. Now there can be unhealthy relationships with those things, but addiction coming from, you know, I've had a, I've had the chance and pleasure to interview Dr. Anna Lemke who wrote Dopamine Nation. Uh, she's the head of addiction at Stanford uh, Medical Institute. So she defines addiction as the continual use of a substance and or behavior despite negative effects to self and or others. So if you feel you're addicted to success, but the success isn't producing negative outcomes for yourself and or others, I think it's reframing that. It's like, we're not addicted to it. We're maybe driven there. So I try as a addiction coach and somebody that works in this space to understand how we frame that word addiction and always look at it from a negative lens and negative context. So I think for you, you've done enough work here on yourself through the therapy and all the, you know, all the self inner work that you've done that you've identified that if you don't have healthy relationships with your work, if you don't have healthy relationships with success, they can't spiral into destructive addictions. But when I look at you, what do, what do I know about you in the time that we spent together? I see those, those drives for more, those drives for success as actually a good as actually a good thing as, as as that is what charlie is here to do yeah and i think it's understanding what your purpose is and mm. if you can align your passion with your purpose then i think you're you're generally onto winner in that respect and like 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 it is with you like you found your calling with this with helping men to overcome like their issue with this which i think is a big one yeah, and that's like uh, doc, Dr. Jordan Peterson, who, you know, obviously everybody knows from 12 Rules for Life, knows for Beyond Order, and maybe some of his lectures online. Well, he spent 30 plus years working in the addiction space, working in the, the addiction community. His thesis was actually on alcoholism. One thing that I've heard him say, and I, and I find it so true, like I believe it 100%, is all recovery from addiction, any type of addiction is going to require 
a spiritual transformation. And when he says spiritual transformation, he means finding a deeper sense of meaning or calling for your life. So I think that is what you're speaking to right there. When you talk about pur purpose and passion, it's like, I've identified that I've, I'm here to help. Like I've always wanted to help from starting a ticket building business, from becoming a personal trainer to building an online company. That was for me to help. Now my purpose though is to help the men that are that are struggling with pornography addiction actually become the men that they were created to be. So there's always the drive and passion to help people. The purpose though had to become had to come out of a, a result of my own journey that I had to go through. Yeah, I think the first part of starting your own journey though is, is acceptance and then mm. also reaching out for help. And that comes to if your goal is to lose weight and get in shape or if your goal is to overcome porn addiction, it's the same process of like self-reflection, realizing like you hit your own rock bottom, wherever that might be. So for some people, it might be guys getting to 12% body fat for other people it might be getting to 30. And then you're suddenly in a position when you reach out to Frank or me or someone to help you to take you through that process who's dealt with it before. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. And that's actually, uh, so I have a book called The Seven Step Guide to Living Life Without Porn. Uh, over 3,000 people have, have, have downloaded and read it and begin to change their lives. And that's it. The first step is identify and acknowledge the problem and actually see what the impact, the negative impact has been. It's not just saying for you, you know, it's not just saying I'm 15 pounds overweight. We can clearly look at you and tell that. How is that 15 pounds of being overweight negatively impacting you from maybe making the amount of money that you want to make, maybe creating the relationships that you want to have, maybe even just being the man that you want to be. So identify that there's a problem, but actually take it a step deeper and identify how that problem is having a negative impact on you. Because if all you say is I have a problem, but there's nothing associated with the impact on your life, you're going to have a disconnect from the why as to why you're trying to change. So yeah, I'd say identify it, but then go one step deeper, actually look at the impact that it's having on your life. Uh, out of interest, this is, you can stereotype things to some degree. Is there a certain like avatar of people you work with, or you see this is more prevalent with, or it's increasing in? Yeah, well, so we do specifically work with men, which is something I get a lot of women. Do you not help women? Can you not help women? Um, I believe that this problem is impacting men at a different degree and different uh, level than men. And it's due to the way that our brain is 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 wired in a little bit different way than females. Um, you know, it's interesting, man, because in our program, I've worked with men as young as 18. So I've had high school seniors that have participated in our coaching program all the way up to the age of 65. So the age range of men that I've personally worked with is, I mean, decades. Uh, where the vast majority of our men, you know, fall into, if we had to say that there was like a specific niche and avatar here, it's going to be the late 20s to early 30s. Um, me specifically, I'm, I'm finding and in, in attracting a lot of single men. I have worked with, with men that are in relationships and in marriages, but I'm finding a lot of men that are, that are hit that point in their late twenties and early thirties. And maybe their wake up point was like, they haven't had any meaningful relationships with any women by the time they're in their, their late to, you know, to early thirties, late twenties, to early thirties. So for us, we've worked with a vast, you know, range of men, but specifically it's probably falling in that late twenties to early thirties, single men um you know middle kind of middle america type of type of demographic i would have to say uh interesting question so men who have this problem with when they've got a wife or a partner is that something you help them coach them with so like in terms of them approaching the problem with them or is it often the partner's aware of it and that's why they've come to you or just curious yeah um 
a lot of a lot of times by the when they're coming to me it's because it's already had an impact on the relationship i haven't had a lot of men that said hey i know i had this problem and i want to get in front of it before my wife found out i would love to hear from those men because i actually think that's the best way to go about doing it but no a vast majority of them are already wife is already aware of it uh maybe there's been an ultimatum uh at, at at play here um maybe it's maybe it's gotten to the point where they're realizing like it's negatively impacting their their sex life so yeah we do we do work with a lot of married men uh we coach them through that process because a lot of them well a lot of the wives to a certain point want to take control over so they want to become like the mother in this in this recovery and that is never going to work i actually interviewed a woman on my podcast who specifically coaches wives whose husbands are addicted to porn and her and I agreed on, on a lot of these things. So I don't think the woman should be involved in the recovery process. I think she needs to be aware of it. She doesn't need to be the accountability partner. She doesn't need to be asking what's going on in your coaching sessions. If you want to have communication with her, I think that's a healthy thing, but it's not her job or responsibility to oversee a man's recovery. I think that is setting that relationship up for many further problems down the road, deeper than just a porn addiction. Yeah, I think this is one of the things that people, and this is why I worry about young people in particular. You already brought up OnlyFans, but I think social media, porn, like all this stuff's fucking with people's brains in terms of reality. So like mm-hmm. people's perception of sex and normal relationships, people's perceptions of people's normal lives, like people's lives on Instagram aren't what they're like in real life. Like things are massively taken out of context and context is everything. And I think that's what's leading people down this merry-go-round of, thinking of that they should have this fairy tale life that doesn't necessarily exist, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And, and you're speaking to, you know, a common, you know, common phrase in neuroscience of what fires together, wires together, right? Realizing like everything we doing is creating neurochemical or neuro, you know, neuroscience responses in our brain. So as I'm speaking to you, like there's there's chemical reactions kind of going on in my brain, both in me and in you when you're watching pornography you're beginning to develop and associate what you're watching on tv as the act of real intimate sex there's an amazing uh, organization out there called fight the new drug their whole company is built around raising awareness showing the stats showing the research understanding how this is impacting people all around the world from ages 12 all the way up to 100 and the founder of that company i heard him give a talk at a at an event one time and he shared this story of a 12 year old boy and this this young boy was excited he'd gotten his first girlfriend at school he wanted to have the girl come over for kind of like a mini house date and the parents were completely cool with that they're like sure have her come over we'll set you guys up in the you know in the driveway they kind of made like a little drive-in movie theater thing like in their front yard so the kids are sitting in the car they say okay we're gonna leave you here for you know for the length of the movie we'll come check in on you a couple times about halfway through the movie the parents come out and the the kids are in the, the the front seat of the car and he's literally leaning over from the driver's seat into the passenger seat and he's got his hands around the girl's neck and he's strangling her and the parents open the door and they're like tommy tommy and i'm just inserting a name tommy they're like what's going on what are you doing they're like well i love her isn't that how i show her how i love her this young boy had been watching porn at that age which we need to understand parents out there if they're listening to this average age of first exposure is 10 to 11 years old this young man had consumed so much porn so much hardcore graphic pornography by the age of 12 that he associated the act of love the act of intimacy with strangling 
somebody because we all know that's what's out there right you're not going watching porn vanilla sex two people just casually having it when you're caught up in this you're consuming the hardcore graphic material so this young boy had been trained had had programmed his brain that love intimacy when i care about a woman i'm supposed to strangle her so i think we need to understand what we're watching on tv is not the act of sex produced highly produced porn i've talked to multiple uh multiple porn stars that is a movie they're, they're they set up scenes there's lighting there's angles what you're watching is not the act of intimacy and i can take it a step deeper when you watch pornography there's a center of your brain that triggers and that center of the brain that is firing is the same part of my brain that when i look at this bottle sitting on my cup that's what's firing it's these it's the center of our brain associated with objects so when i watch people on the screen having sex i'm associating them as objects when i'm in the act of intimacy or when i'm with other people in real life whether it's sitting down having a conversation or taking it through the act of sex the part of my brain that is firing is the part that is associated with relationships so when we understand what fires together wires together when i train and condition myself that when i see them they're objects just like this bottle on my desk how is that going to impact the ability for me to go up to that person when i see them out in public and actually create a meaningful relationship they're an object right you don't create meaningful relationships with objects so at a deep 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 level here in the neuroscience brain young boys from a very young age are training themselves and conditioning that people become objects this is why every man caught up in pornography sexually objectifies every single woman and i can challenge you when you see a woman what's the first thought in your brain what I would do with her, right? Man, if I if I had her, this is what I would do. We've all said it before. What is that? What I would do with her? That's placing that woman in the place of an object. What I would do with her means what I would do with that object. Instead, when you see a beautiful woman, Lord, thank you for creating her beauty. I can appreciate it. It's not mine to participate in though. I think that's uh, a very interesting concept because I think uh yeah i don't think you could be more right with that final part to be fair but that's ingrained in society in particular in men yeah it is i mean and it's unfortunate like just because it is doesn't mean that it's right, right. Yeah. i know like i know i probably like a lot of people heard that and it, like i'm i may get judged for saying that but i don't i don't really care because tell me that it's wrong like tell me that that statement is is, is wrong. So I know it's conditioning. I know it's training. And the fact that if, if, if we surveyed men around the world, once again, not my numbers, statistics here, if we surveyed men, 70% of men around the world admit to watching porn on a monthly basis. So we know seven out of 10 men are regularly consuming this thing. Okay. And then you take those 70% of men, 40 to 50% of them actually admit to having a problem that they feel is beyond their control. So yeah, society has conditioned us that way, but the society is a society of men that are addicted to porn. On a slightly different note, so I'm a big fan of using technology is obviously the problem here, but technology could also be the solution in some respects. So as in like um, Facebook and YouTube can send people down rabbit holes to waste their entire life. Two things I'd recommend for anyone listening to this would be Google Chrome extensions, uh, Facebook feed eradicator and YouTube feed eradicator, which basically stops anything coming up so you don't get distracted and click on cat videos. Is there anything you can get like that for your computer or uh, an app for anyone who's listening to this who might be in that situation and need some sort of like restrictions? 
Yeah, there there is, and I'm I'm going to give you a little bit probably of a of a different take on this as well. Um, there is. We've actually partnered with a company called Covenant Eyes. They've been around for 15, maybe 20 years now. They're probably the leading organization or software company out there. So yeah, it's something that you download, install into your computer, phone, or or devices. And what it does is throughout the day, it takes random screenshots through through what you're consuming. And what you have to do inside of Covenant Eyes is you have to assign like a backend administrator to your account. So this is why I think it's a, the greatest out there because it's not just your tool that you're trying to prevent yourself from getting it, you're actually bringing another person in to the picture with you. So it's adding a layer of accountability. But here's a problem with that stuff, right? Is like, if we know how to put an app on the phone or the computer, we probably know how to take it off right so wouldn't it just be as easy for somebody to uninstall an app or software and i think it's got to get us to the point where we got to stop saying i can't have these things right like and i'm sure you tell this people with with your clients or you tell this to your clients it's like don't stop telling yourself you can't have the cookies stop telling yourself you can't have the ice cream you can't have the extra hamburger hamburger become the person that no longer wants the cookie becomes a person that no longer wants these things because as humans when we're told we can't have something what do we do we try to figure out a way to get it without anybody else knowing. And anybody that's a parent will tell you that, right? You tell your kids, I can't have something. They can't have something. 10 minutes later, they figure out a way to sneak it into the room and they're playing with it. So I would say use those, but use them in a way that when you catch yourself trying to figure out a workaround solution, that's an opportunity that you need to begin to do some inner work. You can do a journaling session. Why am I trying to work around this? What is it I'm actually running from? What is it I believe that I'm running to? But I think just installing something that's gonna keep you away from it is a short-term Band-Aid on a massive scar that needs to be healed. I agree. And what would be the first step in healing that scar, reaching out for help? Yeah, well, identifying, yeah, so the, the acceptance and identifying that there that there is a problem, and then the true commitment to change. Um, and this is where, like, you got to pay attention to your language and how you speak to and about yourself. Stop trying to do anything. Like, I can't tell you how many people I talk to on a regular basis that are constantly trying to quit. Well, that's why you keep failing, because you're trying. Make a commitment that you're willing to do whatever it takes. And I think this is where I said at the beginning, is like, if you get underneath the problem and figure out how the problem is negatively impacting you, out of there, you should get a really strong why. And that why needs to be big enough that in those moments when porn sounds a whole lot better than sitting in some dis discomfort, when porn sounds a whole lot better than figuring out why you're stressed in life, porn sounds a whole lot better than whatever the problems are. If you have a big enough why, then you'll be able to stick stick through it, right? So I would say identify and acknowledge that there is a problem and then a true, true commitment to change. And I think that's where a lot of people fail because they don't commit to anything in life. Yeah, and I think that's, I always am very aware about the language I use about myself and I correct myself and I'll also correct other people in particular clients. It's like people saying I'm, I'm bad at math. So it's like, if you say that you will be, and also yeah. like people who are like, I'm not good at I don't know, ice skating. I was like, how much, how much fucking time have you spent ice skating? You're not, obviously not going to be any good. Like you have to put work into things to be able to control things and to fix problems. And if you have got an issue, you need to put time and hours, probably money into solving the, the problem. And then it will be, won't like, it won't be, I'm trying anymore. It'd be what I've fixed. I no longer like it's done. Yeah. Or I haven't, you know, I'm not good at math yet. 
or yeah. I don't, I'm not a great ice skater yet. Like those three letters, Y-E-T are some of the most powerful letters in the world when used in, un, under that context. This brings it to, you know, a lot of times like people are like, Frank, like how did you decide to quit in one day and never look back? Like that sounds almost impossible. And what people don't understand is that up until that point, February of, of 2019, I had spent 20 years in self-development work. I'd spent 20 years in bodybuilding, 20 years in reading books, three to four years in attending seminars. So I'd, I'd done all this work on myself. Then I made a choice and commitment. If you've never picked up a self-development book, if you've never had to actually deny yourself of anything, thinking that you're gonna quit porn in one day and it's all gonna go away, it's a false belief. You need to understand that this is a process in developing yourself to no longer need these things. It's the process in becoming the man that is no longer addicted to porn, which is the language that we like to use. The only way to overcome this is to become the man that no longer, no longer needs it. And it's in that word becoming that I believe is where all the power sits. That's where the identity change has to take place. 100%. I think that's a very strong moment to, to wrap up. Um, Frank, have you got any finishing points you want to add? Um, no, bro. I appreciate, I appreciate this today. Um, you know, if anybody is, is obviously interested, um, in, in learning more about what we're doing, um, I'd say, check out, you know, check out our YouTube channel. We do a video every single day we have for, for almost two years now. Um, I do have that free book. So if, if I can drive them to, to the book, if they, at least. Yeah. Yeah. If you can send me the link, what, what's the, what's the book called? It's called the seven step guide to living yeah. life without porn. I'll send, yeah. I'll send you that link. Um, I'll put it in the show guys, notes for anyone. Yeah, and if you guys enjoy, you know, these 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 type of conversations, we have a weekly podcast. We had Charlie on a couple months ago. It's called The Superman Life. So connect with me there as well. Hundred percent. Uh, you got Instagram as well. You need to plug that. Yeah, it's a uh, coach coach Frank Rich. Yeah, very okay. very yeah. active on Instagram. So as you can probably tell, Frank is one of the nicest and great guys out there. So I'd highly check check him out. Um, I do all these podcasts completely free. I've got loads of other better things to do. It's now 7.30 in the evening. So I want to provide you guys with as much value and provide as much impact as I can to your lives. So one thing I'd ask for you, if anyone listens to this who took something away, please leave us a five-star review. Please subscribe and please share this with a friend. And we'll see you next episode very soon.